Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show to hear how you can get a copy of this program and other helpful documents. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. This show, Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, began with Entrepreneurs in Mind, a platform for me, a small business owner, and my guests, and today two guests, to pay forward our experiential knowledge in a conversational way. And with all new endeavors, it has had some unexpected outcomes, like the show is not just for entrepreneurs and want to be entrepreneurs, but for everyone. We are all inspired by everyday people's American-made stories of how they worked hard, took risks, and found their voice. Another is that business is creative, more so than I ever really thought. And last, behind each of my successful guests is the heart of a teacher. Before I introduce my two guests today, I'd like to follow up on last week's show where I paid tribute to my mother's passing. Thank you to everyone who sent me their condolences. I had so many nice shout-outs from people. Thank you very much. I enjoyed reading every one of them and felt a connection that we all shared during this. I guess we're all going to have this season of our life. Today, my guests are John Burgess and Mark McClellan, co-founders of Mainstream Technology in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm going to make these two smart guys dumb down their conversation. (laughs) They're laughing. For those of us who want to learn either about starting a business and living the American dream, or on a personal level, how technology is going to change the way we do things in the future. And of course, you may want to learn about their services and want to hire their company, Mainstream Technologies. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you may be asking yourself, what's this lady's story and why does she have a radio show? Well, Tim is here to tell you. Thank you, Carrie. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie McCoy founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed dramatically, from door-to-door sales, to telemarketing, to mail order and catalog sales. And now, Flag and Banner relies heavily on the internet, including our newest feature, live chatting. Each decade required a change in sales strategy and procedures. Her business and leadership knowledge grew with the time and experience, as well as confidence to branch out into multimedia marketing that began with our nonprofit Dreamland Ballroom, as well as our in-house publication, Brave Magazine, and this very radio show you're listening to now. Each week on the show, you'll hear candid conversations between her and our guests about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting. Carrie says that many business rules like treat your employees well, know your profit margin, and have a succession plan can be applied across most industries. What I find encouraging is her example that hard work pays off. Did you know that for nine years while starting Flag and Banner, she supplemented her income with many part-time jobs? And that just shows that her persistence, perseverance, and patience prevailed. Today, Flag and Banner has 10 departments, and I have 25 coworkers. It reminds us all that small businesses are the fuel of our country's economic engine, and they really do empower people's lives. If you would like to ask Carrie a question or share your experience or story, you can send an email to questions at upyourbusiness.org. I have two guests today, and they are John Burgess and Mark McClellan, co-founders and president and vice president, respectively, of Mainstream Technologies in Little Rock, Arkansas. These two mavericks went from promising careers as financial application managers. I think that's software. Isn't it software developers? Okay. Okay, it's radio. You can't nod. Yeah, well... 
Look, they both go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, as financial application managers, software developers at Dillard's to starting a tech business in 1996. John attended Bryan High School and afterward initially studied aerospace engineering at Virginia Tech before transferring to the University of Arkansas at Little Rock and completing his undergraduate degree in computer science. Mark holds a Bachelor of Science degree in data processing and quantitative analysis, which he just told me is just... A fancy word for statistics. I like it. Quantitative analysis from the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville. In 1996, only one year after the Internet was released to the public, the Internet support businesses and and Internet support businesses were far and few between. John and Mark saw an opportunity and took the all-American entrepreneurial leap of faith and left their secure and lucrative careers at Dillard's and founded Mainstream Technologies. These two guys may seem like rigid intellects, but I can promise you in the last two decades, they have stayed flexible and open to change, or they wouldn't be sitting here with me today. Technology has changed the way we all do personal and professional business, and Mark and John's company has been a beacon of light to guide many, many businesses through the storms of change, including mine, Arkansas Flag and Banner. Anybody doing business with mainstream technology can count themselves lucky to have such a solid and dependable business partner in these often unsecure, confusing, and ever-changing technological times. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table the Mavericks. Y'all never thought you were Mavericks, did you? No. Mavericks and co-founders of Mainstream Technologies, John Burgess and Mark McClellan. That was good. Thank you, Carrie. Can we can we use that? You can use every bit of it. Um, we were talking right before we came on about how long we've known each other. And I, when I read it, when I was doing the research on your company and it said you started in 1996, I thought to myself, oh, I've been with you since you very first opened up. But you guys, when you got here and we started talking about it, said, no, no, 2004. And I said, no, no. So, Mark, you know, because we live in the, the world we live in today, you emailed back at the office. And they said, we've, I was actually a customer since 2005. That is correct. So you started your company, not as the company that I know it as, but tell us it started as a software company. Yes. And do, what kind of software? Uh, just contract development. So we would hire ourselves out to uh, to anybody that needed it's got to be more specific than that because there's i mean you can do all kinds of software you can do banking software well, the, you can do uh and we do all kinds of software the, but the first the first thing we did was a hazardous waste tracking application we um tracked hazardous waste yeah it was a, a company in northwest arkansas that's no longer there um they had a company like mainstream and they knew one of our former partners just they, I think they went to college together uh-huh. and they had just signed this contract to write this software for this company in Illinois. And, uh, they had nobody that had any of the skills to, uh, to actually do the project. So, <laughs> so this friend of a friend, um, uh, started talking and, and, uh, laid it out for us. And it was the things that we knew how to do, the things that we were good at, you know, fit perfectly the, the skills that they needed for this job. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, you said you started Flag and Banner with $400, and we scraped together $300 and uh, start, really? started yes. mainstream. So you were still working for Dillard's? Yeah. We we left Dillard's when we decided we had a contract for at least six months. And we left knowing that we were going to be subcontracting and we're going to be paid weekly 
so that we didn't have cash flow issues. Mm -hmm. So there was no initial investment. We didn't, you know, sell our 401ks or anything like that. We, we basically went into business knowing that we were, we were going to be able to make our payroll that next week. And we just took the leap at that point in time. How many employees did you start with? Three, three. And how many you have now? 61 uh, with two contractors. You did a six month contract and you thought, what if this doesn't work out? What am I going to do next? Yes. Well, everybody, everybody at Dillard said that we would be back. They were waiting for us to fail. And, and, so. and they would have taken you back? I, th- I believe yes. so. We had, we had a good safety net. We left on good terms with the upper management, and they would have taken us back, I believe. And what software did you write for them, for Dillard's? Well, it was an accounting software, wasn't it? Well, uh, I was in charge of the financial applications group, which were in, responsible for point of sale, credit card authorization, um, general ledger. So all the accounting systems, all the programmers that developed that software for Dillard's worked for me. Uh, John was in uh, um, logistics or vendor supply chain. Uh, go ahead, John. I want. Yeah. So I, any any of the systems that were involved in ordering merchandise and then receiving and shipping that merchandise to the stores, uh, all that kind of fell under my bailiwick. I had a group of programmers that reported to me. So there's a big building out behind Dillard's that's this big concrete building that I watched them build, and I have heard rumors that that is their computer building. Is that true? Their computer building is up the street just a little ways from that that uh, major building where they house all their corporate personnel. Right. So there's the big Dillard's building, then yes. there's the packet house, and then uh, there's yes. this yes. low, you are low building right at the curve, right by the train station. Yes. Is that really full of mainframes and whatever kind of computers are... Yes, it is. Temperature controlled. Yes. So Dillard's has never had to like go out and buy uh, software like the rest of us and do software upgrades. They just they just own they just wrote and own their own software that you guys helped write long long time ago, and they've stayed with that. Oh, they're constantly rewriting that software as because bus- their business changes you know has changed dramatically over the years. So they're they're constantly rewriting software and and a, a business that large and that complex depends on custom soft bot software as well so oh it does yes you know every time arkansas flag and banner has done a software upgrade it has almost bankrupted me you know they always tell you it's going to cost fifty thousand dollars it always costs a hundred thousand dollars they always tell you it's going to be streamlined it's never streamlined you end up losing sales losing uh, losing you know productivity sales productivity and really the tracking of your finances every time they're talking about doing it again tim this year did you know that i've heard it scares me to death every time they talk about doing an upgrade and and internet uh and website upgrades Mm -hmm. frightening yes everything is so complicated and and so interconnected that it's it's hard to touch one thing without breaking another or you have so many so many jobs and processes that depend on the software that so how uh, so when people want to buy these little out of box softwares, it's not it's not as foolproof as people think, unless it's a more of a mom and pop store, I would think. Yeah. Uh, it, what do you think? Do y'all make websites? I mean, do y'all make? Uh, yeah, do y'all make website designs? Y'all don't, do you? No, that's not our one of our. So you started off as a software writers. When did you decide? I met you in two thousand and five, and you began to take care of my um, what's that called? My server, and. Um, backups and servers and protection when did you decide to go from software writing software 
to do to being a broader mainstream technology. About three months before we signed with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe that. <laughs> we, we gained a little bit of experience when we developed an application for a former relationship that we had out of Dillard's and they, a, a company was formed by a former relationship and they, they essentially brought us a software product on a napkin and said, we would like for you to write this for us. So we developed that application for them, and then naturally their next step was, well, you need to host it also. You need to take care of all the operations side of it, which we had no skills to do that. So we, we hired skills to begin uh, supporting that application and running it. The term back then was ASP, which I can't remember exactly what the acronym means, but it was just basically hosting. It was software as a service we were running for them, for their customers. So, And you were just hosting like a website or just a server? No, no, no. This is a full-blown application that we had written. We actually kind of developed it and tried to run it distributed across all their client base, and then we brought it back in-house. But the point is— You still is, write for Dillard's? No, no. We've never done anything for Dillard's. I thought you just said that was for Dillard's that you no, wrote. It was for a relationship, a former— uh, employee of Dillard's oh. who went out and started their own company and, and John had a relationship with them and they kind of came back to us knowing that we were in the software development. Oh, arena. I see. So when I got, when I bought flagandbanner.com in 1995, when I heard of it, y'all mm-hmm. started mainstream technology when I first heard of the internet and y'all started mainstream technology in 1996 because you got an offer to write some software and you thought, mm, we could go out and do this on our own maybe. Um, there were a lot of companies before I met you in 2004 that uh, that, have, that are no longer here. Mm-hmm. And y'all are still here. I mean, you all, both of us, were on the bleeding edge of a, of a revolution in the way businesses do business. And it almost bankrupted me. I had to put a second mortgage on my house. And the, let me see if I can remember any of the people I worked with before you. Conley? I remember them. Uh, it was a woman, mm-hmm. one of the smartest women I've ever met. And I think she got so tired of teaching everybody how to turn a computer on and what the Internet was that she decided and what a database meant and that she left town and moved to a bigger city where I think she had more like-minded people. So her business, Conley Something, was no longer here. And then I think I was with um, – uh, it's not wind. It was Weblinks, Worldlinks. Worldlinks? Mm-hmm. Does that sound like an old? Yes. They used to serve my. They used to host my servers before y'all did, and then they folded. Look, y'all of, are nodding. Mm-hmm. What a change! Why do y'all think that y'all y'all stayed stayed the course? I mean, really, there's very. I can't think of anybody that's still around. We've been very fortunate. Very. Um, don't be modest. Really, why? Well, I mean, a lot of it is good fortune that when. Um, very good friend of ours when we first started the business uh, was a good mentor of ours and uh, used to give me some advice and he I remember him saying when we first started he goes you know I, I uh, you guys got a good thing going he goes I'll be interested to see what how you do when the first bad thing happens and um, for 20 years I've been wondering have we had the bad thing uh-uh. and we've had some bad things happen and I always wonder okay is this the one he was talking about or was it the last one or is it yet to come but it's, you know, we've been fortunate that we've, we've had, um, when bad things have happened, we've had some, some, at least one very stable client or relationship going on that kind of tided us over that we could use as a bridge across, across a gap. Um, 
the reason you know that you're a customer of ours today is that we made the decision literally three months before we signed you that we needed to diversify away from from software development um, because the the infrastructure the IT services was more recurring monthly recurring revenue that we could predict where the software development while it's very lucrative is these big large projects that you have to ramp up a lot for you do them and then they ramp down. And then if you don't have something else in the wings, then you're all looking around at each other like, okay, what do we do next? Yeah. Substantial peaks and valleys in the software development. And you don't want to lose your great programmers Mm -hmm. because you can't get them back. So you have to keep your payroll on. I never thought about it like that. So I'll I'll give you an idea of a fortunate thing that really happened to us. And that is uh, early in our, our business career, probably 2001, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, we had one of our largest our our largest customer file bankruptcy on us, but it was a reorg. They filed a reorg against us for two hundred and thirty eight thousand dollars, and we were a company of about ten yeah, at 10, that point people. in time. But the the interesting thing was is when a company files for reorg, you have no secured debt whatsoever. You're going to lose what they currently owe you. But we were added to a preferred vendor list. And we did business with that company for 19 more years, and they paid us mm-hmm. millions of dollars. That's so, not letting your ego get in the way. Right. It's, you know, I think that some small businesses do that. It was taking what we could get. I mean, yeah, it was, <laughs> a, it was a situation where we recognized the opportunity, and we felt that they would recover, and they did. But That's, that is fortunate. And we, we, we had a great relationship with the people that we – that we knew in the, in the business. And there was a, you know, they liked what we did. They trusted us to do good work for them. And we trusted that they would take care of us, you know, on the backside. And, and, uh, and you didn't take it personally. You looked at no, it straight a, from a business point of view. Purely. Yeah. Purely. That's smart. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll pick the big brains of John and Mark some more founders of the mainstream technology What does the future look like in this fast-paced world of computer science, and how will it affect you, the user? And at the bottom of the hour, we'll be taking calls, so listen and get your questions ready. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you miss any part of this show, a podcast will be made available next week at flagandbanner.com's website. If you prefer to listen on iTunes, YouTube, or SoundCloud, you'll find those links there as well. Lots of listening options. We'll be right back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with John Burgess and Mark McClellan, co-founders of Mainstream Technology in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. So let's talk about all the things you offer. Desktop support now, which is new. Internet support. You don't do web design. So we'll do web design if it's in the context of a larger software pro. If, if we're writing an, a, a large application for you that has like a website component or has a mobile app component, we'll do those, but we don't lead with those. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Because I've tried to get y'all to remember when I was trying to get, we have so much history together. I don't think I can ever interview anybody I don't have a lot of history with because it's so much fun. But we, uh, 
I had this guy, Joe Coburg, working for me, and he left, and he wrote some crazy software, and when we updated the website, we couldn't get it to work, and your guy over there kept saying to me, because y'all didn't do very much internet design at that time, I don't know, we're not going to look at your shopping cart, that's your problem. I was so mad at him, so I went in and pulled it up on the board, and they pulled up the code behind my shopping cart. And it had these N-A, 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 N-A. And I said, what are all those N-A's? And he went, oh, I don't know. I said, well, that could be what the problem is. And it was. I thought, boy, I'm a programmer now. (laughs) He wouldn't even look at it. He would not even look at it. So anyway, I just had to bust y'all out on that too. (laughs) He's not there, I'm sure. That was a long time ago. Anyway, so internet, web design, storage. That's what you've always done for me. Yeah, we we host. Lots of storage. And so by that, tell everybody what storage means. Well, it depends on whether the storage is... <laughs> Mark can't talk. He can't get over what it's said <laughs> I'm quickly trying to remember exactly what contract I have in place with you right now, Carrie. <laughs> I just signed one, so you're stuck. The agreement we have in place with you is to support your on-premise uh, devices. So as far as all of the uh, uh, the resources that you utilize, all your servers, all your desktops, your switches, your firewalls, and what have you, you own all of yeah. all of that. And so we don't actually keep any of your storage on our premise. We have our own data center downtown Little Rock, but everything that we do for you is on premise. So we charge you based upon the number of devices in which we manage for you. Do you have a question? No. So I thought we were backing up some stuff downtown. Are we not? No, we we as part of our as part of our um, third party suite, mm-hmm. backup is included, but okay. it, it is backed up to the cloud. Oh, so you have a backup service now that is not within within our data center, but it is a cloud based third party vendor. And for everybody, who wants we to manage know it what, for you. Yes, yes, okay. we manage it for you. Yes. So you've got. Let's tell everybody where you are in downtown. You've got a really cool building. As your business grew, you were lucky enough to get the fed. What was that building before you got it? The federal formal Federal Reserve bank building of uh, little rock it was the it was the backup facility for the st louis uh, federal reserve it's a vault it is a vault it's a bunker it's a bunker Mm -hmm. they used to destroy money in there and it it used to have uh, uh, armed guards and two uh two uh, entrance doors uh for the uh, uh, security vehicles to drive through and they would take money out and and uh, shred it and burn it why would you shred and burn money old money old money my favorite kind of money is old money. I don't understand. We still find little, you can find little, little tiny little pieces of money every so often. You'll find you one later. Got somebody the over there trying to piece it off, tape it all together. <laughs> that would we be looked, a job. We look real close and we couldn't find anything. <laughs> but it's a really great together. place for y'all to have a secure place because everybody wants, security is a big, big issue and a problem today. Marla Johnson was on here from Aristotle and I was talking to her about security and hackers because we've been hacked, you know, um, and y'all are constantly coming over there and putting in, in installing new um, new secure system, new new security software. And she said that really and truly nobody is secure. If somebody wants in, you can get in. It is a yeah. It's a eventually, you know, they will if they're if they're interested in getting into your business. Eventually, they will find a way into your business. the mm-hmm. The strategy is just to make yourself. Just do the basic, you know, do the stuff that you, any reasonable person should do to keep their, their information secure and make yourself less, less appealing than your neighbor, just like you would do at home. Mm-hmm. So being in that, I always thought being in that building that was a Federal Reserve building that was a bunker, I always felt like that would keep you all more secure. But 
not necessarily from a physical standpoint yes but not from a, a cyber we still have to have wires in and out and that's how they get in right and the the weakest the weakest you know link in the security chain is the individual the human being meaning oh. if if an individual can make themselves look like you from a credential standpoint they're in so that's one thing why you have to you have to practice good password uh, uh, levels you know extreme levels of password security and you know just do the basics so of all the things you do did i miss one desktop support storage backup server support internet web design software you're still like so i i imagine still being software software still most of our business yes mm-hmm. oh yeah. it is most of your business mm-hmm. yes and we do a colo which is co-location, you can put your servers within our data center. And we also sell infrastructure, which says if you don't want to own servers anymore, you can rent our servers within our data center to run your operations from. I did that when I was when, when we first got onto the Internet. We would always rent our servers. Right. Well, this is, you know, it, you know, everybody talks about the cloud. Well, this mm-hmm. is, we call this a private cloud because you're the only person in the cloud. Mm-hmm. It's your little cloud. And there's no security issues if they're coming into your building and getting onto a computer that's within your building? I mean, that seems like there'd be security issues about that. So they're able to come into – so they're able to bring their customers and everybody into your into your facility, which is probably linked up to other – Well, we have, a, we have an area of our data center – for, for customers, because a lot of our customers don't ever want to see their computers. Mm-hmm. They they put them with us, and then they're kind of out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. We manage them for them, and uh, we so take I guess care. there's no security issues, even though they can log into their... Yeah, they log in remotely and run their business remotely from the computer in our place. But they come over secured VPN connections. Mm-hmm. So, But the ones that we have an area in the data center for, for customers that you know that do want to come lay hands on their, on their box and... We issue them a badge and get their fingerprint, and they're on an approved list that they can come in, come and go to their computer as they need to. So who's your client? Who do you think your biggest client is? Uh, well, our biggest client currently is the Department of Finance and Administration. Of Arkansas? Of Arkansas. Who, how small do you go? Me? Am I as small as you'd go? $3 million company? You're uh, probably on the, on the smaller end. Mm-hmm. From an IT standpoint, 20 users. 20 users. Oh, okay. Devices. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's another example of how we've evolved over the years is we've, we've deliberately been raising kind of the floor of who, of the, the size projects that we'll, we'll take on. So you started off taking on smaller projects and you grew to bigger ones now? Yes. Yes. Because you got more selective? We get more selective because we've, after analyzing an experience that, you know, we've learned that. It's, it's harder to make money on the smaller projects, the smaller customers. So we, we intentionally raise our floor over time to uh, – it, it just helps with the – it's easier to support larger customers. Um, sure. There's more margin. You know, there's obviously there's more to gain. So. so of all the things you do, which thing do you think you do the best? So we found out who your customers are. What do you think is your best thing you do? I know what I think it is. I still believe that we do application development better than anybody in the state of Arkansas. Software. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you're not specific about um, what kind of software you do. Uh, you just bring a problem to me and I'll do it. Yeah. For, you know, we, we manage the, uh, the state employee and public teacher health insurance program for, for uh, DFNA. Uh, we do some work for the, the My School Info page at the, 
Department of Education rolled out last year that where you can see the your school's ACT scores and compare them to other. We wrote that. Um, What's your favorite supply language? chain management? What's your favorite language? Profanity. <laughs> That's the first language every programmer learns, and the only one that most of them ever get good at. <laughs> no, really, do you have one you like the best? Mark and I are such dinosaurs now that we. <laughs> we yeah, y'all really don't know. They don't let us write coding. No, they won't let us. So what do they write it on open source? Probably not. Probably most of our work today is, I would say, equally divided between Java and C-sharp.net, uh, which is a evolution of some older languages that we wrote, C++. Yeah, that's the one I know. So, yeah. yeah. That seems to be, the, you know, we, we do a lot of, there's a lot of other kind of one-off. Each project kind of brings its own unique, uh, and that's another strength that we have is we meet the customer where they are. Mm-hmm. So if they're using this, chances are we have somebody that knows that. And Well, that's true. You want to tie into what they're already using. Yes. If you get an ex- already existing customer, yeah. But you'd be amazed at, uh, at some of the project work that we do actually starts out as old mainframe COBOL that people are still running. No, I wouldn't be. That we convert for them. And it, we just have a, uh, a unique number of resources that, that work for us that, that can bridge that gap. They can go from old mainframe COBOL hmm. to, uh, you know, .NET applications. I would, yeah, I would imagine that uh, all those old state agencies are like that. We just finished yes. the Arkansas Crime Information Center, which is manages the criminal information database for the state. Uh, we just finished rewriting some 30-year-old system for them. But I bet that old COBOL is secure. It's secure because nothing can talk to it. Yeah, right, that's what I was going to say. I bet nobody can talk to it, you know? We, um, you know, it, it's, interestingly enough... That first application that we wrote in 1996 was a COBOL mainframe application. Oh, wow. And uh, they called us back 12 years later, and we got the opportunity to rewrite it because we were the only ones who could read the old system and understand what it was doing and also had the people that could write it in the new language. Uh huh. That's kind of true. Once you get with a programmer, you're married to them. You really are. Yes. I mean, I can't ever leave y'all. Y'all can't ever fire me. I and know we, y'all tried a couple of times. And we have people that have been with us 18 and 19 years. Oh, I know. That, uh, that's, that's another one of our strengths is that, you know, we write your software for you and you call us back in five years for something to change about it. Chances are the person that wrote the software for you still works for us. That speaks highly of your company and your company culture. You know, that really does. All right, it's a great place to take another break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with John and Mark, founders of Mainstream Technology. And if you have a question for either one of these guys, um, don't be intimidated. You can call. Tim will give you a phone number right after the break. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you miss any part of the show, a podcast will be made available next week at flyingbanner.com's website. If you would prefer to listen on iTunes, YouTube, or SoundCloud, you'll find those links there as well. Lots of listening options. We'll be right back with the phone number for calling in. Arkansas Flag and Banner is proud to underwrite Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. McCoy began this broadcast a year and a half ago with the intention of offering a mentoring platform for those with an entrepreneurial spirit. Through candid conversation and interesting interviews with business and community-minded Arkansans, listeners gain insight into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Carrie McCoy, founder and president of Arkansas Flag and Banner, believes in paying knowledge and experience forward and developed this radio show as a means of doing so. 
The biographies, life experiences, and wisdom of her guests would likely go unheard if not for this venue. Rarely do people open up for an hour to an audience about their life, mistakes, triumphs, and pitfalls. This unique radio show allows the listener intimate access into the stories of prominent leaders in our state. I am Adrian McNally, manager of the Arkansas Flag and Banner Showroom and Gift Shop, located on the first floor of the historic Taborian Hall on the corner of 9th and State Streets in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. In business for 43 years, we offer an old-school shopping experience with front-door parking, clerks to help you, and department store variety. Open to the public Monday through Friday, 8 to 5.30, and Saturday, 10 to 4. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with John Burgess and Mark McClellan, co-founders of Mainstream Technology in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay, we had a great person call in on the break or send an email on the break and ask us a question about programmers. Um, we were talking about programmers earlier before we went on the air and what different animals they are. But the question was, do you have to go to school to be a programmer? Or do you hire people at mainstream technologies that just come in and take a programming test? How do you do that? How do you qualify them? We, we look at how much experience they have and kind of what their experiences have been in the hiring process. That's probably more important than where, what pedigree you have or, or where you have your degree from or, you know, how, how you, how you attained your knowledge, whether the term we like to use is in the wild, which would be like an online, taking an online course or, or just kind of DIY in it uh, versus, you know, some four year degree. Um, most of our, most of our developers have four year degrees. We've got a handful of them that don't. Uh, but I think the, the thing that, that, uh, attracts us to a programmer is kind of that that body of work that they've done what kind of tools have they been working on what kind of projects have they worked on um so it's we like to there's some some seasoning you get in the real world that you don't get either in school or online and it's you got to learn how to handle those exceptions all the na's on the board um (laughs) so there is definitely a a love hate relationship with programmers and programming either you love it or you do not. We're looking for people who love it, and that does not necessarily mean a four-year degree. We have some outstanding resources that have been with us for, you know, fifteen plus years that do not have a degree. You're talking about human resources. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. I, in my experience, I have found that if you have to go to school to be a, to learn to be a programmer, you don't love it. That you either cannot not do it. That you were always reading, always tinkering, always playing, always writing. You know, um, that's been my experience. That if you come in and say, oh, I have this degree and now I want to become a programmer, that you're not usually a self-starter enough because programming changes so fast, so quick. You have to be constantly reading and staying up on it. You can't, you can't, you can be in love with programming, but you can't be in love with any particular language or, or type of programming. And programmers are prima donnas. Let's just talk about it. Well, they're artists. They are artists. It's very creative, and mm-hmm. they are very artistic, and they're very, um, uh, yeah, they're just prima donnas. They're very temperamental. And when they write a program, it's their baby. It's their creation. You have to be careful. So how do you handle all of that? How do you manage that when they come in there? Do you read the code in back? Well, what you try to do is 
is to get them to be collective prima donnas. And what I mean by that is following some kind of standardization that they have all bought into from a principle, from a development standpoint. So try not to remove their their uh, their art, artistic mm. pride of authorship. Pride of yeah. authorship. Mm. But what you want them is to buy into a team type of author, authorship. Pride of art, authorship. authorship. Is that a word y'all made up? No. no. I have never heard that term before. That's a tweetable term, pride of authorship. That's even true in any creative. Anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We want it to be our pride, not your pride. What do you think is going to – well, are most of your customers local? I, when I was asking you about your customers. Um, at the present, most of them are. Um, at times – you know, one other thing that prompted that decision in 2004 to, to start diversifying was that we'd been in business eight years and nobody in Arkansas knew our name because all mm. of our customers were, were out of state. You do a lot of local teaching. You do a lot of local uh, support. You do have the touchdown. Tip-off club. Tip-off Tip club. Mm-hmm. So is that why you started doing some local promoting of yourself and getting involved in the community? Absolutely. You oh, yes. it is? I wondered why y'all were doing that. So you have the local tip-off club. Which is, well, tell everybody what it is. It's a tip-off club. Is a, it's run by the North Little Rock Parks and Recreation Department. All the proceeds, it's a fundraising uh, deal that they do. All the proceeds go to, to build their One Heart program, which is an uh, all-access playground in North Little Rock. Um, but it runs during basketball season. It's a, a weekly luncheon, usually on Monday, where uh, they bring in uh, basketball-related speakers each week. Uh, we name a high school boy and girl player of the week each week. Oh, really? And, and get to hear from a from a great, you know, usually some legendary uh, basketball person that you know. I've had some great. Uh, I've met some great pictures. Had some great pictures taken with a legendary basketball player. Um, I met Mac Anderson there. He's a lot larger than you think because mm-hmm. his players are so huge. He looks like a small guy, but he's big. Yeah. He speaks every year. He does. Yes. So, is it hard to find people over there to come and talk? I mean, you get some very Big uh, athletes and uh, celebrities over there. Is it hard? Or are you involved in that? Do you just, no, we're, we just sponsor? Yeah, we just sponsor. And so you don't have to worry about the nuts no, and No, we're not in the that. talent acquisition phase of the, of the program. We've had Charles Barkley. You know, we've had some, some big names come in. You have all Jerry, the... Jerry Tarkanian. Oh, wow. You've had all... And you've had all the Razorback uh, basketball coach, which were, which were a few there for a few years. Mm-hmm. And I guess you've had Nolan Richardson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nolan and, and uh, Eddie Sutton. Eddie Sutton. Oh, wow. That's a good one, too. Yeah, you've, that's a great club over there. If anybody doesn't know about it, it's the Tip-Off Club in North Little Rock. I guess they can Google that online if they want to ever go. I think it's open to the public if you want to buy tickets, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, and it goes to a great cause. But you also like to do uh, volunteering. John, I don't know about Mark, but I know that, John, you volunteer by teaching. We always talk about how great leaders are great teachers. Uh, and... You do the STEM programs, the science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Mm-hmm. What do you do there? Um, I'm on the board of the Arkansas Museum of Discovery, which is a great, you know, for younger children, uh, getting them, you know, igniting their mission is to ignite a love of, of STEM or STEAM is the, they've added A for arts in there. Oh. Um, but oh. just, you know, trying to get young kids interested in, in STEM related careers and, and education. Um, that's good. And we actually have an intern working for us uh, from Little Rock School District. They just launched uh, a program called Excel this year, which is uh, kind of a it's 
an alternative education thing for career exploration. Uh, and we have a we have a kid from J. Fair who who uh, comes in every afternoon. And he's learning how to be a programmer. See, now that kid they'll hire because he's going to have experience. When he fills out a resume, he's going to have experience. Now, you, people should try to get as much experience. Sometimes I think people's education gets in the way of their career. You know, you come out of school and you haven't done any kind of hands-on anything. It's almost like your education got in the way of your career development. Uh, what do you think about the future for the world in 20 years? Robots, self-driving cards, how's the Internet going to be used? Will we still have a government? <laughs> Just kidding techn- about that. Will the technological singularity happen? What is that, and what does That's that mean? That's when artificial intelligence becomes so advanced that human beings have to augment their own nervous systems with artificial intelligence, and we become more machine than human. So we can keep up. Tim. This guy knows. Tim. It's happening. I hope it doesn't get to that point. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm on the opposite end. Sign me up. I'm ready. I'm not. You want to be augmented? Mm-hmm. John actually believes that most people can't even cope in the world we have today. So he's, he's, he's trying to get everyone augmented to, to catch yeah. up to technology. So what do you think? What do you think about Tim's question? No. Please say no. No. I, I, I think it'll be, get here faster than uh, people are thinking. You do? Y'all have opposing opinions. I'm absolutely opinions. with you. You're already you're already augmented. It's just not in you yet. I mean, you're you've got that phone attached to you all the time. All the time. You get the Google glasses. Good point there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always think that there will be a pushback from a technology standpoint. People won't give up their freedom. For, mm-hmm. And you, know, you all can the put advancements. Well, yeah. Aren't aren't they um like you know aren't they already doing the the chip maybe that you can pay with right? Like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, is he yes. the? Is he said the, the chip, chip in your hand? Yeah. No. Oh, the chip in your hand. Yeah. No, some you, people scan that at work. You put a chip in your hand. You have to go in and be scanned. I saw that on. Uh, well, that's the number of the beast. Is what, yeah, you the, know, mark the, of the mark beast of the beast. Yeah. From the standpoint, you know, that, yeah. that, that would be my personal. Belief. Well, they called the uh, they called the uh, social security number the mark of the beast when I was a kid. But there are some companies that have the chips in their hands and they scan it in to go in. I saw it on a news show. And they, yeah, that company got a lot of – I don't know that I agree with that. I, I know. From, from a company standpoint, that seemed kind of invasive. It did to me too. All right, well, how the about theory, – the, huh? theories, the theories will get from the standpoint of shopping, shopping experiences. You'll walk in and you'll grab whatever you want to and you'll walk out and you won't have any any uh, exposure or interchange with, uh, with store personnel. How come? Because everything will be – Everything will have a sensor. Everything will have a sensor of some kind. Well, how do they know how to tie it to you? Because you're going to have a chip in you. Right. Jesse? They already have uh, the Google stores, actually. Yeah. Amazon Go. Amazon Go. Amazon Go Go is is more of a a video type of of access to the product in which you're pulling and not necessarily an RFID type of a a pull of of data. So they're watching you camera-wise, and they can determine what you leave the store with. I'm not sure I buy into that technology as a long-term solution as opposed to RFID. So you're saying they'll have the the – the product will have the RFID on it, and then the human will have a chip in them. And when they two go out together, they'll match you up and say, "You bought that. Actually, take it out of your bank." I actually believe your only stop will be to determine whether or not you want to put this on credit or whether you want it going debit against a you know your regular bank. And you'll just have to use your eyes to look to the right yeah, for one and look to the link. Or, or tap the you know credit or whatever as you walk out the door. All right, robots. Uh, that's robots. How about self-driving cars? Absolutely. Can't wait. Can't wait. So I think I told y'all before, my husband was in uh, Philadelphia last year, one of the homes of Google, and self-driving cars were being tested there, and people were driving around 
reading books, and there were so many wrecks, they had to quit make, making them read books. But now they're just riding around. Oh, no, that wasn't it. They're riding around reading books. But prior to that, there was nobody in the car. The cars were just driving around with nobody in them, and they started having wrecks. So they put people in them, and then you just read a book on your way to work or wherever you were going. I think that is going to be really nice. Well, this big truck, you know, they just had a couple of weeks ago, they announced that they had an 18-wheeler that drove from L.A. to Jacksonville, Florida. Right. What? It is yeah. staying on the on the main highway. Just on the interstate, so on, it's I, stay on the I-10. I mean, that's... I was curious how they fueled it. You, well, you got to have a, ri- a driver or rider at least to refuel the vehicle. It's yeah. not ever going to refuel itself. Well, maybe they had people waiting at stations, and it just went to that station, and then some, the guy came out, maybe. attendant came out, fueled the car. Car took off, and then he the car took off again. I think the most interesting, in my mind, the most interesting kind of changes to think about with self-driving cars are how it's going to transform ownership of vehicles, and 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 what that affects. So if you don't, you know, the only reason you own a car, you know, a car is like the worst utilized asset anybody has. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you pay this, you buy this expensive asset, and you use it about ten percent of the time, mm-hmm. and. As you become, and that's for convenience because you can't trust another human to be there when you're ready to go to, you know, and I think once you get more comfortable with, there's a computer running it and it's going to be there when you want it and it's going to take you where you want to go, then the need to actually own that car goes down. So then, you know, we got all these houses that have garages that all of a sudden that space isn't needed anymore because you, you don't have a car anymore. You have all these parking lots and parking decks in downtown Little Rock that, that, that real estate so companies will own fleets of it'll just be automated driving vehicles and it'll, it'll all be, become it'll cabs. Be Uber on demand yeah. without without the Uber driver. Yeah. So what so it does so what does it do to all the garages? What does it do to all the parking lots? How do you handle driving vacate or going on vacation? And well, that's where like you, that. you you rent a vehicle for for an extended period of time. But wow, I think, I think it's I think it's I think the once the self driving cars take hold and everybody really sees the the benefit and how this is really better than driving it yourself and taking care of it yourself. I think it's going to radically change for, you know, transform society. I love that idea. Wouldn't it be nice to have all the parking lots turned into, to grassy areas. It might save our planet. It, you know, there's so many people driving around in one, one big car. You could get, mm-hmm. yeah. it'll, it'll obviously reduce the number of vehicles. So you don't want to own GM stock or anything like that at some point in time. How long do you think before that happens? 10 years. I think it'll be within 10 years. That quick? Yes. I think once it's going to be like every, you know, all this technology changes faster and faster, and there's a tipping point. So we're going to have more unemployment, I guess. Or is it just going to change? Just going to move to people that can now work on vehicles. Now there's going to be a lot of mechanics needing, maybe. Maybe we're still going to. For a period of time, yeah. That is really not what I thought this conversation was going to go today. All right, we're at the end of the show. Um, I want to thank you. It went by fast, didn't it? Did. It? it always does. Everybody always says that. We, I just love y'all coming on here. Y'all are so smart. Well, thank, thank you, you very Kay. much for having us. We You're greatly welcome. appreciate it. You're welcome. You're thank one of the you. unique people that makes Little Rock what it is. <laughs> I paid them to say that. Thank you, John. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it sincerely. Well, thank you. Y'all do, too. Y'all did great work. I have to tell everybody, you're one of my Dancing into Dreamland corporate sponsors. Ever since we started Dancing into Dreamland 10 years ago, you have bought a balcony and brought your, brought your, brought your company over.
to be supportive. Thank you very much. Y'all are good supporters of me. All right, I got you a gift. You're going to be like, what could it be? Oh, look, y'all brought me over uh, mouse pads the other day. I'm giving you mouse pads back. (laughs) So for our listeners... It's like Rotary, the exchange of flags here. Yeah, so for our listeners, a week or two ago, I signed another contract with these guys, and they brought me over mouse pads and coffee cups and pens and stylus and all this good stuff. And so I just gave them a mouse pad back with my logo on it. But really, what I really... That was just the joke for the day. But really, what I brought y'all... Do y'all have a desk set for your desk? I do not. So they are getting a U.S. and Arkansas desk awesome. set for their desk. It's a four by six inch flag. Hand that down to John. That it's a four by sit on my desk. <laughs> yeah, nobody hardly has those desk sets, no. and they're just great things to have. Thank Absolutely. y'all so much for coming on. If you have a great entrepreneurial story that you would like to share, I would love to hear from you. Send a brief bio about your American story and. Uh, your contact information, and someone will be in touch. Send your contact info to questions at upyourbusiness.org. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me. If you think this program has been about you, you're right. But it's also been for me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you'd like to hear this program again, next week, go to flagandbanner.com, click on the tab labeled Radio Show, and there you'll find a podcast with links to resources you heard discussed on today's show. Carrie's goal? To help you live the American dream.